God's Voice Speaking from Amidst the Fire by Rav Amnon Bazak In our parasha we read no less than three descriptions of the revelation at Sinai. Let us review them and highlight that which is common to them. We read in chapter 4, Only beware and guard your souls well, lest you forget the things that your eyes saw, and lest they be removed from your heart all the days of your life. And you shall make them known to your children and to your children's children, the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Chorev, when God told me, Gather to me the nation, that I may make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live upon the land, and that they may teach them to their children. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, to the heart of the heavens, darkness and cloud and fog. And the Lord your God spoke from amidst the fire, the sound of words you heard, but you saw no form, only a voice. Later on in the same chapter, we find another description of Harsinai. For ask now of the early days that came before you, from the day when God created man upon the earth, and from one end of the heaven until the other, has such a great thing as this ever been, or has such a thing ever been heard? Have people ever heard of the voice of God speaking from amidst the fire, as you have heard, and live? You have been shown to know that God is the Lord, there is no other beside him. From the heavens he made his voice heard to you, to instruct you, and upon the earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from amidst the fire. In the next chapter, we find yet another description. Face to face God spoke to you on the mountain, from amidst the fire. I stood between God and you at that time, to tell you God's word, for you were afraid of the fire, and you did not ascend the mountain, saying, And it was when you heard the voice from amidst the darkness, and the mountain was burning with fire, that you came close to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Indeed, God our Lord has shown us his glory and his greatness, and his voice we have heard from amidst the fire. This day we have seen that God speaks to man, and he lives. And now why shall we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God, we shall die. For who of all flesh can hear the voice of the living God speaking from amidst the fire as we have and live? You draw close and hear all that God our Lord tells you, and you shall tell us all the God our Lord has told you, and we shall hear and we shall do. In all three descriptions, we are struck by the centrality of God's voice speaking from amidst the fire. Indeed, the voice and the fire are also central to the description of the revelation as described in Sefer Shmot. And Har Sinai was all in smoke because God had descended upon it in fire, and its smoke rose up like the smoke of a furnace, and the mountain quaked greatly, and the sound of the shofar grew exceedingly strong. Moshe spoke and God answered him with a voice. Special emphasis is given throughout Sefer Dvarim to the fire on this occasion. But concerning our prasha, we must ask, why does the Torah repeat this description three times within two chapters? The need for the repetition turns out to be a result of the different lessons to be learned from the revelation at Sinai. Firstly, we must take note of the fact that our prasha includes within it a transition between two of the four parts of Sefer Dvarim, Moshe's three lengthy speeches and the description of how he takes leave of the nation. The three speeches are divided by means of references to Moshe in the third person, and these breaks are an excellent tool for marking the different sections. The three speeches are defined as follows. First, chapters 1 to 4, the first speech called the historical speech. Second, chapters 5 to 26, the speech of the mitzvot. And third, chapters 27 to 30, speeches of the covenant. We must address the fact that the first two descriptions of the Revelation are both part of Moshe's first speech, while the third description falls into the speech of the mitzvot. 
It is therefore natural that the different location of each description is also related to the character of the framework within which it appears. Let us now examine each description individually. The first description, like the second, is located in the historical section. This speech seeks to point out various lessons that Bnei Israel should learn from the events that happened to them, particularly regarding their relationship with God. Chapter 4 is a sort of summary, mostly comprised of clear and practical guidance, including repeated exhortations to observe the Mishnah. We learn some fundamental principles here for our understanding of God. One such principle is the negation of the embodiment of God, and this is the basis for the description of the revelation at Sinai within this framework. The importance of the revelation in the context of this principle is that it was the first encounter between B'nai Israel and God, and the role of the fire and the voice was to express the fact that they saw no image. God spoke to you from amidst the fire, the sound of words you heard, but you saw no image, only a voice. The obligation of remembering the revelation at Sinai is meant to illustrate the message concerning embodiment. Only beware and guard your soul well, lest you forget the things that your eyes saw, and lest they be removed from your heart all the days of your life, and you shall make them known to your children and to your children's children the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Chorev, and you shall guard your souls well, for you saw no image on the day when God spoke to you at Chorev from midst the fire, lest you become corrupt and make for yourselves a carved idol, the likeness of any form, the shape of a male or female. Bnei Israel are obligated to remember how on that great day of fire and noise they saw no image, likeness, or form, the prohibition against making any carved image or idol is accompanied at the end of the section with the warning, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The fire that Bnei Israel saw at the time of the giving of the Torah will punish anyone who seeks to replace it with an image or idol. The mention of the voice and the fire at the time of the revelation is therefore meant to emphasize the third of the Rambam's thirteen principles of faith. I believe with perfect faith that the Creator, blessed be His name, is not a body, nor do physical phenomena apply to Him and he has no likeness at all. The second description of the Sinai revelation is located at the end of the historic speech, and it too comes to teach us one of the principles of Jewish faith. While the first mention was aimed at preventing undesirable forms of worshiping God, the second comes to prevent the problem of idolatry. It emphasizes the fact that God is the only God. Know this day and consider in your heart that God is the Lord in heavens and above, and upon the earth below there is no other. Here, the Sinai revelation, and especially the fire and the voice, serve as proof of God's uniqueness in the world because of the unprecedented event that B'nai Israel witnessed. For ask now of the early days that came before you, from the day that God created man upon the earth, and from one end of the heaven until the other, has such a great thing as this ever been, or has such a thing ever been heard? Have people ever heard of the voice of God speaking from amidst the fire, as you have heard, and live? The fact that never before has an entire nation heard the voice of God speaking from amidst the fire proves that God is the only God. Anyone who is at Sinai is meant to arrive at the obvious conclusion, you have been shown to know that God is the Lord. There is no other than Him. Here, the revelation at Sinai points to the second of Rambam's principles. I believe with perfect faith that the Creator, blessed be His name, is unique, and there is no uniqueness like Him in any way, and He alone is our God. He was, He is, and He will be. The third mention of the revelation appears at the beginning of the speech of the mitzvot. Thus, it is related not to principles of understanding God himself, like the previous ones, but rather to the foundations of the mitzvot. Obviously, this also explains why this recollection of Sinai also contains a full list of the Ten Commandments. Indeed, the central lesson to be learned from the fire and the voice in this chapter concerns the fright experienced by B'nai Israel on that occasion, 
and the request that Moshe mediate between them and God. And now, why shall we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God, we shall die. For who of all flesh can hear the voice of the living God speaking from amidst fire as we have and live? You draw close and hear all that God our Lord tells you, and you shall tell us all the Lord our God has told you, and we shall hear and we shall do. In order to prevent any undermining of the authenticity of Moshe's prophecy, it is emphasized here that it was by request of B'nai Israel that they did not receive the Torah directly from God, preferring instead to suffice with what they saw at Sinai, while the rest they would hear from Moshe. Thus the parashat concludes, Go say to them, Return to your tents, but you remain standing here with me, and I shall tell you all the laws and the statutes and the judgments that you shall teach them, and that which they shall do in the land that I give them as an inheritance. The third mention of the Sinai revelation is meant then to illustrate the seventh and eighth of the thirteen principles. I believe with perfect faith that the prophecy of Moshe our teacher, peace be upon him, was true, and that he was the father of the prophets, of those who preceded him and those who came after him. I believe with perfect faith that the entire Torah that we now have in our hands is the one that was given to Moshe our teacher, peace be upon him. This idea appears once again in Sefer Dvarim in expanded form. Later on in chapter 18, the Torah presents the prohibition against listening to diviners or soothsayers, along with the obligation of listening to a prophet. This obligation is based upon the principle we have discussed here. For these nations whom you inherit, listen to diviners and soothsayers, but the Lord your God has not permitted this to you. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet from amongst you, from your brethren, like me. To him shall you listen. Just as you asked of the Lord your God at Chorev on the day of your gathering, saying, Let us not hear any longer the voice of the Lord our God, and let us not see any more this great fire, that we may not die. And God said to me, They have spoken well. I shall raise up for them a prophet from amongst their brethren like you, and I shall put my words in his mouth, and he shall tell them all that I command him. Here, too, the obligation of listening to the prophet like Moshe is based upon the fact that it was B'nai Israel who requested this arrangement, preferring not to hear the voice and see the fire directly. All that we have said above should not blur the crux of the revelation at Sinai. While the fire and the voice served as devices to convey fundamental lessons concerning divine worship, the main purpose of the event concerned not the fire and the voice, but rather the content of what was said. The day when you stood before the Lord your God in Chorev, when God said to me, Gather to me the nation, then I shall proclaim to them my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live upon the land, and that they may teach their children. The central purpose was to teach the nation fear of God, through hearing the words of Torah, while the three messages upon which we dwelled above were a sort of added benefit. It is important that this point be clear, because it is this that makes it possible to relive to some degree the revelation at Sinai every seven years, Many commentators have noted that the Hakel event described in Parashat Vayelech is essentially similar to the experience at Sinai. Gather the nation, the men, the women, and the children, and the stranger who is in your gates, in order that they may hear and in order that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this Torah. The command gather, Hakel, is a repetition of the command mentioned above concerning the Sinai revelation. Similarly, we also find in Sefer Dvarim that the Sinai experience is called the Day of Gathering, the purpose mentioned in the Hakel event is also very similar to the central purpose of the Sinai experience, as we have pointed out. Had the fire and the voice represented the crux of the Sinai experience, it would have been impossible to relive the experience, even on a limited level, without another divine revelation. The reliving of Sinai concerns only its essential substance, learning the fear of God as a result of the very hearing of the words of Torah, even without the additional lessons that were conveyed by the fire and the voice.